The views expressed by the hosts are their own and does not imply an endorsement of any entity they represent. Will you just flip it? Hello and welcome to the 16th episode of Just Flip It. I am Ewan and joining me as usual is Patrick via Skype. Howdy all. So, time for a useless episode. If you want to hear us, the shit we dribble on the phone every day, you've come to the right place. Now, to set the tone, if you're easily offended about cars, maybe this isn't the episode about you. So, we had a conversation this week about what is the replacement for the Commodore or the Falcon. Yeah, so when we when we say we, we don't want to offend people, you know, there's a lot of people who are still madly in love with cars that no longer exist and we're not talking about classic cars here although i'm sure that they would argue the point there on that one um you know these are cars that people are very passionate about we don't mean to upset anyone uh for the um for the record neither neither uh you and or myself drive these or drive these cars but um we'll get into a bit later on what we actually do drive so um Oh, I can't remember what day it was. Um, I don't know. We talk about shit on the phone all the time. Sometimes it's good, sometimes it's shit. This week has just fucking exploded my brain with the dribble that <laughs> I've learnt from fucking other countries. But anyway, so I'll put it out there. What is the cheap runaround for people uh, that aren't well off nowadays? So... The Commodore and the Falcon has gone... They're at the age where there's good ones still going around, but they've got the miles on it that they can't be replaced. And they used to be a car a couple of years ago that you'd buy for a couple of grand. And there just doesn't seem... Like, we come up with it the other day. What is a car that you can get cheap, you can repair cheap, like we 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 were just trying to figure out what is out there for people to buy. Like, um, we come up with a couple. I was thinking about it the other day, and after we had the conversation, and I'm thinking uh, Subaru Outback or Subaru something. Yeah, I don't know. I well, I, I just want to clarify one of the things that I said to you, and I think the best way to explain it is that these cars are now coming to that fork in the road where if you want to keep driving them you know, as a daily drive, they're going to fall apart. Or you're going to get that, you know, you've got those ones that are in a condition where if you locked them up in a garage now and drove them once a week, you'd be able to keep them as a, um, as a future collector's car. There's obviously a lot more in the first category than the second category, but that's the problem you know, with with those cars now, both whether it be a, a Falcon or a Commodore, is that you've got those those few that you see around that look really good and have obviously been incredibly well looked after, and then you've got I don't know ninety percent of them that are looking like you know that the wheel is probably going to fall off in the next ten kilometers. Um, but I don't see no, I I don't agree with you on the Subaru at all because I have sort of I had always had this belief that Subarus were an incredibly reliable car and the more that I've read recently I, I actually I don't think that is the case so 
you know, I, I'm still every time I think about that that meme that I saw was like, I've got a Subaru that deletes its own head gasket. Then that's all I can think of is Subarus now. It's <laughs> is them not, and apparently they're not very reliable. I I thought they were a car that you know was basically bomb proof, but I don't think that is the the you know the thing of these days. Oh, see, I was thinking like Toyota Camry, but you've got the Toyota tax there. Um, I mean, what car is out there nowadays to carry the Kittleks around? Like, um, we've gone down this we we've gone down this path of we don't like sedans anymore. We don't like the big tradition family car. And we're gone SUVs, little little car like yeah. There just there there hasn't been like there's no car that has been mass produced and mass brought like the Commodore and the Falcon was back in the days. Well, I think that's that's part and parcel of the Australian car industry is that we have without it's been I don't know the exact numbers, so you know if someone wants to to bash me over it, that's fine, but. I think there is something like 60 manufacturers offer vehicles in Australia. We have the most vehicles offered to us anywhere in the world. We have no other country offers or no, no other country has as many manufacturers offer vehicles in their country as they do in Australia. So the thing is it dilutes, you know, there's not, as you said, there's not like, um, like a handful of models where you can say there's this, there's this, there is obviously vehicles that sell in much bigger numbers, but there are also vehicles that are not in that, you know, let's let's be realistic. The top-selling vehicle in Australia is a ute, and a ute is, you know, you know very well yourself, and we'll go back into that later, that a ute is not, it might seem like a great idea for a family car, but it's really not. And they're also, you know, the Toyota Hilux holds its value incredibly well, not that it deserves to, but... You know, um, I think that you're right in saying that I don't think there is any more that quintessential vehicle that everyone in some point in their life would own these days because there is such a dilute amount of vehicles available in Australia. Well, that was, that was the other thing I was thinking is, are utes the new, like, are we going to see in a couple of years' times the, new, the utes are going to be the most popular car for the least amount of money. But, see, I mean, this lockdown is really, well, this pandemic has really fucked it up for everyone because cars have gone through the roof in prices. Like, you can't just get a car for a couple of grand anymore. Like, you're looking, I don't know, five grand? Like, yeah. to try and get something half decent? Well, just just bought it up now, like, literally last month. Top sell top ten selling cars in Australia last month was the Ranger, the Hilux, the Corolla, the Rav4, the Prado, the i30, the D Max, the Camry, the ASX, and the B250. Having said that, these numbers are a little bit skewed at the moment because of the chip shortages. So, for example, I guarantee you that normally the Triton would be in that top ten. The issue with the Triton is they're literally. I think I read the figure the other month that their normal uh, monthly sales is somewhere around about two to um, two to five thousand, and it was two hundred last month because they physically can't get any cars into the country 
because they just don't have any they don't have the um electronics to put in the cars to sell them so those not those numbers are a little bit you know you know off kilter but still the reality is that if you have a look in that list the top two vehicles are utes yeah and but i mean utes aren't cheap um well no to get something around the under 10 mark, you're looking at high kilometres being flogged a shit house because it is a four-wheel drive. Um, so, yeah, it's interesting, like, what people are going to be able, like, what people are going to have to do from now on to, A, keep their old cars running or, B, try and source a used car for cheap or from what we... Yeah. Use what it used to cost. So, but that it just comes down to still that the uh, like the Australian car industry, you know, um, is very very simple simple equation. What went wrong there, which is they were building cars that nobody wanted to buy. You know, um, that both cut. Toyota only really left because without the other two in there, the economies of scale didn't work. But if you look at Holden and Ford, they both made essentially the same mistake. They were producing cars that was not the direction, you know, well and truly by sort of the early, you know, 2010s, whatever, whatever you're actually supposed to call that, the 20 teens, um, the, the shift to, towards SUVs was already happening. And these two companies both decided, well, the best car that we can make is a sedan, well, how about you pull your finger out of your ass and pull something from your global stable of cars that will sell here and start making it? You know, Ford, I think, in some ways was ahead of the curve with the Territory, but the Territory was not what, not that it wasn't a good car, but it was it, mediocre in every way. And it, didn't, was, have, it didn't have the fuel economy that other cars were, were making. No, that's right. Well, it had, so that was one thing. It was never a very attractive looking car. It was just a, it was a very slabby sort of, slabby without being, you know, having that off-road capability. Um, you know, it was a high-riding Falcon. Yeah. That's it. That's all it was, you know. Um, and, Holden, and then Holden, you know. What are those the, piece I, of shit? Um, oh, you always bag them out. The the crap the crap oh, <laughs> good concept but just shit build quality like yeah well and that the, that begs the question though would holden have been better you know doing what they did with the cruise and doing a knockdown a knockdown kit with those in australia okay look we know that that wasn't a very good car i don't think many of those cars have really made over 100,000 kilometers you know which um in this day and age is only really 5 years of use um, but at least they would have had the volume in sales and and have and having them made here or assembled here. But both companies chose to continue making a car that was seeing less and less sales. And look, both editions of or both final um, editions of what they were making, the final Commodore and the final Falcon, were outstanding vehicles. But it was too late. the the The, the train had left the station. And they were producing a car that they're going, oh, it's as good as, you know, it rides as well as a BMW and blah, 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 blah. But here's the fact. Nobody wanted to buy them anymore except for the diehard Ford and Holden fans. They weren't, you know, Mrs. Jones with her 
2.5 children was begging her husband to buy a Mazda CX-9, not a Commodore. Yeah. Oh, and because they were such a big car, trying to get in the car park, and the fuel economy, like, bloke at work, he's got a um, uh, the SV Redline, whatever, I don't know, it's Commodore, um, and the... It, the four-cylinder function doesn't work. So every day he's driving to work and it's 15 litres per hundred like because that function's not kicking in and my car is seven litres per hundred. Like, even yeah. my diesel was nine. So, like, yeah, when you've got a Falcon and a Commodore that were producing, I mean, yeah, you've seen figures of around the eights and nines, but they're always above ten. Um, people were looking for the fuel economy. Yeah. Well, that's the one thing is fuel is not going, you know, it has its its lows and its highs, but it's not getting cheaper, is it? So No. So uh, we were going to discuss what we drive. I don't, I, well, they everyone knows that you've got a Volvo. Um, so I, we, so, what was it? Uh, six months ago, the missus uh, shouted an IX35, really nice car, and the transfer case shit itself. Uh, no longer had all-wheel drive, um, making a lot of noises. Uh, the, the mother-in-law is tapping a dealer principal at the moment, so we got, a, we got rid of it and got a really good deal on a Sonata. Uh, <laughs> I had an Emirock, uh, loved it. Oh, I loved the V6. Never want to own a ute again. Uh, it was I wanted a ute. I've owned one. Never want to have one in there ever again. Um, and I was saying to Patrick, it's really funny how every single car that I have ever said that I would never own, I've ended up owning, and they've actually been a really good car. Well, I, I think the Amarok made lots of noise, and that wasn't your mother-in-law. That was you whinging about the suspension in it. After, what what did you do to the suspension, Ewan? Uh, I improved it. Yeah, improved it so much <laughs> that you had to get rid of the car in a hurry. I so congratulations to, to that. didn't have you, to get Ewan, rid of it. Ewan just... had this perfection attitude about the suspension in his Amarok, and he was trying to perfect his ute by changing the suspension from its original suspension to third-party suspension to another type of third-party suspension, which then resulted in him selling his car. Well, (laughs) when I upgraded the suspension in the Pajero, the ride was better, and you can't improve the ride of a ute. They're just shit. Yeah, I think, and that's what I said to you before about they seem like, look, I think it's a a 50-50 situation. 50% 50% of the people that buy them as family cars buy them with a tax incentive-esque motivation. The other 50% do what you did, bought it thinking this will make a great family car and then go, holy shit, it's a terrible family car. The back seats is like sitting in a mini moke. And, um, and you know, that whole thing of having that amazing back storage space, guess what? If you had an SUV, you could haul the same amount of stuff the only difference is that it's going to get wet in a ute. So I think that's the thing is that they just don't they, – they look really good on paper until you have to actually live with them. And that the main re- – well, apart from the suspension, but the main reason I sold it is my daughter didn't fit in the back anymore. Like, 
she's well, I'm six foot. She's like she's about five eight now. We and should we should just point out to our listeners that your daughter is not Jabba the Hutt. She's a normal oh, young teenager. Yeah, she's tall. Yeah, but and, she is a normal young teenager. Yeah. That you should be able to fit yeah. people like that in the back of Utes, but they're Utes and they're not designed. The 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 I think the back seat in most Utes is exactly the same as the back seat in the what was that Holden the, the crewman? It was about an inch thick of padding and it was completely vertical. Yeah. So it was literally like sitting on a park bench that was designed by someone who wanted to inflict pain on you. <laughs> so right now I'm driving an old man's car, a 2015 Sonata. With, uh, we brought it with 47,000 Ks on it and we paid 16 for it. Um, the reason we brought it is because we actually ordered a Kia Sorento and it wasn't supposed to be in the country until next year. And after about four months, we got a phone call saying, your car's here. So we had to pony up the cash. Uh, so the missus has got it now. She absolutely loves it. Beautiful car to drive. Um, while I've got an old man's car. Grey hair, grey car. Yeah, and, and is that when you, you're forgetting to tell all the listeners that when you open the glove box, a, um, a hand-stitched monogrammed cardigan fell out? Well, I do have my driver's hat on the back seat and I'm going to put uh, reflective, uh, the reflective rubber, sto- rubber stops on the doors. Oh, the, yeah. Yep. Car you park can actually doors. get ones on Ally Express that say open on them. Yeah. Um, and the, the little wire feelers on the, on the, um, in front of the front <laughs> wheel so I can feel the mud guard when I, cut, when I pull in. Um, I am looking for Venetians for the back window. Yes, nineties realness. <laughs> and I've got to put a um, a AM radio station sticker on the back window. <laughs> I was actually just reading the other day that um, the new someone just bought on the XC ninety form. Someone just bought a twenty twenty two XC ninety. They don't have AM radio anymore. Really? Because it's been basic, it's it's about to be turned off in Europe. They've obviously removed it from. It's no longer a thing that you can get in the vehicles anymore. Oh, they're gonna. So most European um, uh, designated vehicles uh, from this model year coming forward won't have AM radios anymore. Oh, what are the old people going to listen to? I don't know. Oh my god! <laughs> so I'll have to listen to Kyle Sandilands instead of. Um, What's his name? Ben Fordham or what's the Neil Mitchell here? <laughs> oh. That'll be a bit of a shock, a culture shock for them, won't it? So next question, wash your car or let someone else do it? I know you love washing your car. I do. It's such, it's so much fun. I, if I'm in the mood, I'll wash like it. it. If I'm in the mood, I'll wash it, but. Before the pandemic, I just used to go to Green Hills and let Punjabi wash it. Like, it was just so much easier. 40 bucks, it's washed. Um, yeah, don't have to do it. Yeah, no, I, I like it. There's something satisfying about standing back after you've washed and then hand-dried your car and it just looks like a mirror and knowing that someone wasn't in there licking the steering wheel or you know, stealing your money from under the seats. 
or you know bring a massive scratch in and then covering it up with something and then you go wash it your next time and think oh fuck where did that scratch come from but no, how am i, I supposed just, to get I, covid I if can't. i don't let anyone everyone in my car no well that's true you even tell the mechanics look i'll drive it into the workshop and um and you can do what you need to on the outside, but you're not allowed to go on the inside. <laughs> so moving on. So I speaking of mechanics, I have one, Dan. I'm supposed to say, hey, Dan, you mad dog. Fuck off. <laughs> anyway. So when I introduced, <laughs> when I told him about my podcast, he wanted me to talk about him and his rubbish. So... I was going to do it for like the number five episode and I'm finally there. I'm finally there, Dan. You're probably not listening anymore. So um, it's been so long since he gave me the information. I'll try and run it through. So he's a mechanic, uh, specialises in VWs. He used to do the MROC. So his oils, he buys 240-litre drums of oils. And to get rid of him, he advertised him on Facebook. He said every single time he advertises a drum, someone comes and gives him like 100, 200 bucks for the drum. They turn it into a barbecue or whatever they want to do. Um, the other oil that he buys is in bladders, like goon bags. It's really interesting. I never knew you. They're basically just a 20-litre box, cardboard box, and a goon bag uh, in, uh, in the middle of them. The bags are thrown in the bin and the cardboard's put in the recycling bin. He's got two 360-litre bins. Um, nine times out of ten, if you go over there, he always makes you put the cardboard in the bin for him. Um, so he's got one garbage bin, so a 240 bin. That goes out weekly with the general rubbish. And the cardboard goes in the two four in the three sixties, which go out fortnightly, and um, he can manage to get away get away with that. He normally uses five to twenty liter for gearboxes. The bottles get thrown in the trailer, and he was saying in the two years that he is like that he's been in the shop, he was a mobile mechanic. He's only thrown out three hundred and twenty kilos of rubbish. So took the, he took the trailer to the tip um, and it was 320 kilos of rubbish at, 300, at 420 a tonne. Uh, also, he does a oil filter bin, which costs $85 a month. So, so basically trying to work it out. So the, the waste weekly, the waste every year is... About five hundred and fifty dollars, um, plus he pays eighty five a month. Which quick calculation is is he just on his own though? Uh, oh, he's got a mechanic with him. Okay, so it's a, it's a pretty it's a relatively small operation then. Yeah, so yeah, thousand and twenty for the oil, uh, plus say five fifty a year. Uh, plus another five fifty. Uh, so in two years he's paid about I don't know twenty three to twenty five hundred dollars in rubbish fees. So basically, the same cost that you spent on your suspension. Shut up. 
Well, now I know how he paid for it all. Um, I, yeah, look, I I do um, so, I do a couple of big dealerships, and um, it's they they go through a lot, but it's a lot of the I think that people sort of don't re- realize how much consumables there are in a um, service in a service like filters and stuff. And I'm not talking about oil filters. I'm talking about like air filters and cabin filters. And then you've also got things like, you know, the packaging for wiper blades and then the packaging for those filters. And there's actually quite a lot of consumable items for, you know, for each car. Yeah. So what, okay, what's a, I don't know, what metre bin? What, one metre? What's a skip? I don't know. So they have, they have that, most of them have either, so I do a couple. Um, I, I don't really want to sort of give it away, but I'll say one one prestige uh, European goes a four and a half three times a week, um, but it's not heavy. There's the only heavy stuff in there is pallets. So what? what um, so how much does it cost to flip a four and a half? Uh, probably about three hundred bucks. So what's that weekly? Three hundred times fifty two. Fifteen grand. Have I done that right? No, no, no. Nine hundred a week. No. So say say one flip a week. So three hundred a week times yeah. fifty two weeks. Fifteen thousand a year. Yeah. To pay, get rid of your rubbish. Yeah. And but you're also looking at these these uh, places that employ, you know, or that have say like fifteen hoists. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah, so, so what's the smallest bin you got? Uh, at a mechanics, yeah, six sixty. Uh, I've got I've got one mechanic that I do as an as a as a, a ring in, and I do a one point five, probably once every seven seven or eight weeks. So what's a one point five worth? Uh, say a hundred bucks. Hundred. What say three months? Uh, uh, so you could get it. You. Uh, Three, six, nine, twelve, four. So you could probably get away with five hundred bucks a year, come out like with a one point five. If you yeah, lucky. probably. Yeah, okay. Right on. So yeah, no, he's he's probably spending the average of if he had commercial bin then. Yeah, for for a small mechanic, yeah. Yeah. Right on. Next, uh, moving on. Freedom days. <laughs> you always got to fucking bring COVID into it, don't you? Yeah, but I just this is only just a, a little. I'm just, I'm just curious on this one. I'm just curious. This is more. I'm actually asking anyone that wants to respond to our, um, uh, our, our Facebook or anything like that. Is I just want to know what are people like keen to do first? What is your? Oh, okay. Yeah. What do you, What are you? What are you going to do? Where are you going to go? I'm going to walk um, naked down the main street. Oh yeah, that that sounds like it. That'll put you into a different type of isolation, um, courtesy of Her Majesty. Oh, that's, that's a different day. type of freedom. It's Freedom Day, remember? <laughs> yeah, freedom for a very short period of time. Well, especially if you or I are to do that. Well, you know, some this... some of our colleagues, if they do that, they might get a parade. Us <laughs> will be put in a divvy van, and as I said, we'll be given a completely different type of isolation. Well, the thirty-three degrees at the moment. When we're finished, the pants are coming off, and then I'm jumping in the pool. So, yes. Yeah. Nice. I don't have a pool. It's 16 degrees here. 
So my freedom day is on Monday for 70%. Uh, I'm fully vaccinated. Um, 80%, what's fucking November? I don't know. Come December, it's a free-for-all. Um, so, yeah, if you want to want to send us an email or hit me up on the Instagram. Now, now of course, the only people this doesn't include is those in Queensland and Western Australia. Because you have your own freedom, but you're not going anywhere. <laughs> We're not coming to you, probably for the rest of eternity. So well, I don't know. I was reading the other, like this, uh, the other day, reading this morning. Bali's pretty much ready to reopen to people in the next couple of weeks, and I was thinking, yeah, that'd be great. I'm pretty sure a lot of people from WA normally go to Bali. They won't be going because when they come back, they'd be probably stuck in about seven years of uh, hotel quarantine courtesy of their premier. Um, but, yeah, I was, th- I was thinking probably, I don't know, it's really hard, but I'm hoping maybe January, yeah, even, I think with the whole week, the week home quarantine thing, I think if you, because Bali's not that far away, I think if you did a week over there and then it had a week back at home, I think that would be a, a decent holiday. Well, that's it. You've got to now include the isolation in your holiday. That, no... that won't last, though, forever. That'll oh, only nah. be, you know, maybe a couple of months, I reckon. So, Well, if people start dying in the Premier... Well, our Premier seems to be all right, but yours is Mr... Um, uh, he should have a little, little black mark under his nose. <laughs> about an inch wide and about an inch down. Yeah. <laughs> so we'll leave it there for the 16th episode um yeah so if you're looking forward to freedom day send us an email or hit me up on the instagram and we'll read it out next episode or the next couple episodes and we hope you enjoyed the episode today